When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Get enhanced security for your Wi-Fi network with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. And welcome back to the MD Fantasy Football Show. I'm your host, Dan Mater, bringing you the Week 13 Preview Part 2 for the Friday episode, of course. That means we're going to be recapping the game from last night. We're going to be going over the 4 o'clock games, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game. We'll have a star-sit segment by the fans and, of course, covering all the injury updates before we head into the weekend. If I sound a little bit different, that's because for my birthday gift, my lovely wife wound up getting me a new microphone. I think it sounds a lot better. So if you're wondering why I sound a little bit different today, that is why. Hopefully, it's more enjoyable, more enjoyable and more high quality uh, for your ears as it is for mine talking into it because it's actually a lot easier. I don't have to raise my voice anymore screaming into the microphone, although I may do that anyway, especially when I'm talking about Adam Gase because you guys all know how I feel about him and his uses of Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake, but let's not spoil the preview. First, before we actually get in to the episode itself, just two minutes before I started recording this, breaking news, huge breaking news just happened. TMZ released a video of Kareem Hunt for the incident that he was involved in back in Florida. I believe it was back in February initially uh, where he was taken into questioning by police for a domestic dispute. This video, apparently, I have not seen the video yet myself. Like I said, it just came out two minutes before I started recording. But the video itself supposedly shows Kareem Hunt pushing, shoving, and then kicking 
a 19-year-old woman while she was on the ground. So, like I said, I haven't watched the video as of yet. Uh, obviously, everyone's been talking about it. Twitter's already blowing up about it. Now, this was an incident that was already reported. The NFL has been aware of it, but we also know what happened in the Ray Rice situation. The NFL was aware of it. All of a sudden, a video came out for the entire world to see, and there was no coming back from it for Ray Rice. So, We'll have to see. I don't know. Like I said, without seeing the video just as of yet, it's hard to know if this is going to be a career ender for Kareem Hunt like it wound up being for Ray Rice. But I would not be surprised if some sort of suspension or quick action, disciplinary action by the league were to take place very quickly rather than waiting around to do their investigations and see what happens. Like I said, the NFL is already made aware of this situation. So if this is deemed to be so terrible and there's a public outrage, there is a decent chance the NFL could come out and lay down, at least put him on the exempt list and lay down a suspension for him right away to avoid a PR disaster. Now, as far this is on Friday where this video just broke. Will this affect Kareem Hunt for this particular week? I do not believe that it will affect him for Sunday, but I would not put it out of bounds that this could affect him next week. Like I said, normally speaking, the NFL takes their good old time when it comes to these suspensions as of late since the Ray Rice situation of trying to make sure they're doing their due diligence ahead of time. But being that there's a video that broke for the masses to see and it looks bad for Kareem Hunt, for the Kansas City Chiefs, for the NFL, if they were to sit back and do nothing uh, anytime soon. That's why I do think next week could be called into question. So if you have Kareem Hunt, your number one move right now should be to go and listen to the rest of this podcast later and make sure you pick up, or while you're listening to this podcast, make sure you pick up Spencer Ware immediately. Even if you don't own Kareem Hunt, if you have a roster spot that you can burn on the back end of your roster and you want to stash him just in case as you go into the playoff run, it may be smart of you to do so. Whether it's blocking the guy who has Kareem Hunt, whether it's trying to add another flex play into your lineups that are going into the playoffs, I would definitely go out there and say Spencer Ware needs to be 100% owned by Kareem Hunt owners or non-Kareem Hunt owners alike uh, by the end of today, by the end of tonight with this breaking news because we don't know what's going to happen. And because there is a video, there is a possibility that it does not take long for the NFL to issue a suspension. All right, so that was we had to we had to talk about that and get that out of the way right away because that's huge news that has dire consequences. Uh, obviously, I don't I don't want to just gloss over the fact that you know this is a terrible situation. Uh, the 19 year old girl is definitely a victim of domestic abuse. There were no files. There were no charges filed from the police when this incident took place but that doesn't mean what happened was kosher or okay or not as big of a deal as we learned all of that from the Ray Rice situation that doesn't necessarily mean anything as far as whether it's right or wrong legality issue whatever the case may be it doesn't mean anything as of that so I don't want to gloss over that fact but because this is a fantasy football podcast show that is my focus to make sure you guys are making the best decisions for your lineups and in light of this news it affects a lot of people pretty much the entire fantasy world so that run out there go get Spencer Ware just in case and keep in mind that we may see quick action by the NFL on this because of that video's release. Okay, now that we have that out the way, let's actually get into what the normal podcast on a Friday episode is week 13 preview part two. Let's start off with the Thursday night recap. Coming into this game, we knew that 
the, if the Dallas Cowboys were able to play up to their potential on the defensive side of the ball because they've had a very good defense all year long, that this could be a lower-ish scoring game. And didn't think it was going to be a game where the Saints would drop 45 points, but I definitely didn't think they would lose, and I definitely did not think that the final score would wind up being 13-10 to between the Saints and the Cowboys, with the Cowboys no less being the team that came out on top. And what you would expect from a 10-point game on the Saints side of the ball is very limited fantasy numbers, and that's exactly what happened. 18 of 28, only 127 yards, one touchdown, one interception. This was by far Breeze's worst game of the year. Their offense just looked it looked flat, but more importantly, their, the offensive line got dominated by the, the Cowboys' defensive line. I'm really on both sides of the ball because the Cowboys' offensive line also played really well against that front, that Saints' defensive front. Now, the Saints' defensive front and the defense in general still played a good game at the end of the day, so they still made me look good as far as them being a sleeper pickup streaming uh, defense that I was telling you guys to do yesterday because they've been on a hot streak, and that continues to be the case, but... Uh, they were just completely dominated on the offensive line of scrimmage by the Cowboys' defensive line, and that is why the Saints had a hard time getting anything going offensively. Look, the book has been out on Breeze for forever. Now, it's hard to do, obviously, because he's a very successful future Hall of Fame quarterback, but the one MO on him is that if you can pressure him from up the middle, not from the edges, not where he can step up in the pocket, not where he can make a couple little nice pocket awareness moves to be able to get out of pressure. If you can pressure him straight up the middle, penetrate from the center guard A-gap position, you can knock Breeze off of his spot. And when you knock Breeze off of his spot, because he is only five, six foot, I think he's more closer to 5'11", uh, personally, but it, because he's a shorter quarterback, he's going to have a hard time being able to throw the ball over whatever pressure is in his face, and that's usually when he has his worst games of his careers when that is able to take place. The Cowboys were able to do that. Now, what usually happens is that you have to be able to penetrate up the middle, and that's not always the easiest thing to do because the Saints' interior offensive line, especially when it comes to pass blocking, is normally speaking pretty good, but they had their asses handed to him in this particular game. And as a result, Drew Brees was just never able to get into a rhythm in this game. Uh, also, because you're penetrating up the middle and dominating the line of scrimmage, the running game, of course, isn't always going to be as effective in that situation. And it wasn't here. Alvin Kamara only had 11 carries for 36 yards in this game. Mark Ingram had seven carries for 27 yards. Now, uh, Mark Ingram also only added on two catches for a yard. Uh, didn't wind up didn't wind up having a good game here. I thought he was going to get more touches. I thought the Saints would be leading going into the fourth quarter, and that wasn't the case. And I just didn't expect their offense, who had been so hot, so unstoppable for the last few weeks, uh, to really... Dallas is a good defense, but I don't think they're a top-end, top-five defense that can just shut teams down. They played out of their minds in this one. So I'm not going to be worried about anything if I'm a Drew Brees owner, obviously, or Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Michael Thomas. I'm not going to be worried about anything... Uh, for them. Uh, Thomas did have five catches for 40 yards on eight targets. As far as PPR goes, Alvin Kamara was still okay because he did get you eight catches for 36 yards on 11 targets in this game. Just not a lot of production, but if you are in PPR, you're still okay with the game at the end of the day for Alvin Kamara. Uh, you can expect better days ahead for the Saints and all of their fantasy players that you've been depending upon this entire time. On the Dallas side of the ball here, also, not a lot that will change your mind as far as what you're expecting out of people moving forward, anything like that. But Dak Prescott continued to play a very good game. Had a better uh, football overall game than a actual fantasy game. 24 of 28, 248 yards, a touchdown, zero interceptions. Uh, also tacked on 22 yards rushing. So, I mean, he was... 
fantasy wise, he was still serviceable at the end of the day. Didn't have any turnovers. Uh, had a good solid game, but they just didn't have a lot of touchdowns. Only had the one passing touchdown. Didn't tack it on with the rushing touchdown. Only had 20 yards rushing. Usually hope to get maybe a little bit more like 30 or 40 out of him. He still had a decent floor game as far as fantasy production goes, but he had a really good NFL game and that should give you some hope for his numbers for his fantasy production to go up moving forward. This was a good defense. At least the defense has been playing really well as of late. Uh, and the C Dex Prescott play a good game like he did in this one. Get the ball out to the perimeter. Get the ball in the hands of Amari Cooper, who had eight targets for eight catches and 75 yards. Uh, Michael Gallup had seven targets and five catches for 76 yards. Neither one of them scored. But getting the ball in those guys' hands consistently on the outside to be able to make the offense for the Dallas Cowboys flow and make it more efficient and more productive as a whole. Uh, all really good things here moving forward to expect out of Dak Prescott if he's somebody who's been looking at as a streaming option for you, uh, platooning with another quarterback, of course, going into the playoffs based on matchups. So it's definitely something you like to see there. Ezekiel Elliott, 23 carries, 76 yards. He also tacked on six catches and 60 yards with a touchdown through the air on six targets. Uh, he's really been ever this year has been really great for Ezekiel Elliott because he's finally been involved in the passing game to the extent that he always should be. Just because he's a power back, I never understood. Like he just got this like automatic label because he was a powerful back that he wasn't a guy you should have on passing down situations. It didn't make any sense to me, especially since he was coming from a system in Ohio State with Urban Meyer, uh, coming from a spread system where he had to pass protect, where he was involved in the passing game. He does have that ability and. Anytime you get Ezekiel Elliott the ball in his hands in the open field, he is a train, a train bearing down on you on that defense to try to actually have to tackle him and bring him to the ground. I mean, it's one of the reasons why he does so well running the ball in the fourth quarter. He just wears you down. So for fantasy-wise, it's been really great. He's been one of the most durable running backs uh, for the past couple of years. The only reason he's missed games is suspension, really, at the end of the day. It hasn't been because of injury. So he's something you can depend upon to stay relatively healthy, especially at that position. Hey, Melvin Gordon owners right now are going through it where it's you wait. You had a guy who's been a top-five running back for you all year long, and all, all of a sudden when you need him the most, he gets hurt and is out. And this guy who has some injury history, especially with that knee, Ezekiel Elliott is just dependable as they come uh, right now for fantasy and is just catching the ball and is an absolute monster. And ever since they've been able to add Amari Cooper, all of a sudden that threat of a passing game that can get down the field, he's seen less eight and nine man boxes. It's opened things up for him. And it's not even an offensive line that's healthy or has been playing particularly well as of late either. That's just the craziest part about this whole thing is that he's doing this still with limited resources around him, but just enough because that is how good he is to be able to open him up and be able to take advantage of. Nothing, like I said, is going to change your mind. You can still have Dak Prescott as a streaming quarterback availability. Amari Cooper is still a very solid uh, to high-end wide receiver, too, with the added volume that he gets from being in Dallas now, away from the Raiders. And Zeke's the top three running back in fantasy football that you could depend upon the Come through for you each and every week. So nothing really changes there for the Dallas Cowboys side of the ball either uh, with your expectations moving forward. And there's no real injuries to talk about. So now we got through that. Let's go ahead and get on to the rest of the podcast here. We got uh, some injury news that I want to update you guys on from the games that we 
uh, talked about yesterday. Remember, if you need to go back and listen to that episode or any other episode, www.mdfantasyfootball.podbean.com, available on iTunes, Simplecast, Radio Public, anywhere you go for your podcast needs, the MD Fantasy Football Show is available for you. Also, remember that if you want to, if you need update notifications for for players uh, over the weekend, past Friday at MDFF show on Twitter, and you will get all the news update notifications you need. It's completely free, obviously, because it's off of Twitter. And I guarantee you will get all the information and as quickly as possible to be able to make any moves that you might have to make, such as picking up Spencer Ware over Kareem Hunt, quite possibly, uh, before your opponent. So definitely keep that in mind as well. And I'll also always uh, post when there is a new episode available for the MD Fantasy Football Show as well. So just keep that in mind. And let's go ahead and I'm going to get you guys updated now on all the injury uh, reports from the games we talked about in yesterday. So let's start off with the Ravens game here. Alex Collins, he did not practice at all this entire week with a foot injury. He's expected to be out. No surprise there. Joe Flacco did practice uh, yesterday and today in a limited capacity, but uh, Lamar Jackson was already named the starter for week 13. So the only thing that's going to really matter for is what's going to happen for week 14, who's going to wind up being the starting quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is somebody you're going to want to keep your eye on through the weekend. He seems like he is legitimately questionable. It's not a, oh, he's a little bit banged up, and we definitely want to play him over Alex Collins now as our starting running backs. So we want to make sure he's healthy and good to go. It is more of he is actually legitimately a little bit uh, hindered by that ankle injury. Didn't practice on Wednesday. Did practice in limited capacity the past two days, but there was a report circling around that he is a legitimate game-time decision, uh, possibly. Now, there's been a lot more reports and people who are more verified that are expecting him to play Sunday, but it definitely sounds like he will not be as close to 100% as we are expecting him to be going into this week. But as long as he plays and is good to go, uh, he is definitely an RB2 that you can plug into your lineups, especially if you had on Alex Collins now moving forward. But I think Gus Edwards will be an RB2 the rest of the way. Falcons, Calvin Ridley, he practiced in limited capacity all week long. Uh, he's expected to play. That's pretty much been the MO since he got a little bit nicked up a few weeks ago. There was really never any concern that he was going to uh, not not play in this game uh, heading into it. Bengals, A.J. Green, good to go. He is going to all clear. He's going to play on Sunday. That is great news for everybody involved. Great news for Bengal fans, great news for A.J. Green owners, and great news for Tyler Boyd owners because now he can go back and play predominantly in the slot and play his complementary role to A.J. Green where he's just much more efficient and much more productive, or should I say at least much more, more safe to predict what you can expect out of Tyler Boyd uh, and expect what his role is going to be within the offense and what the focus from the opponent's defense, more importantly, is going to be on Tyler Boyd when you're judging your starting lineups and whether to plug him in there as your high-end high end wide receiver three, middle-tier wide receiver two type of player. He goes back to being in that range now with A.J. Green in there, even with Jeff Driscoll as the starting quarterback over Andy Dalton. I don't think they lose that much uh, with Driscoll in there over Dalton. This is, this is a tough matchup, though, to keep in mind. I guess the Denver Broncos will still see a lot of Chris Harris. Remember, if you want to take my, if you want to see what my analysis was 
on Tyler Boyd in yesterday's podcast with the preview matchup there. I talked about it all there, so make sure you go back and listen to that if you need to. For the Rams, there's no real injuries. We already know Cooper Cup's on IR and stuff like that, but there's no real fantasy injuries to really speak of. I just want to add Aqib Tlaib is actually expected to be back this week. So from a fantasy perspective, the Rams defense could go back to being a top five defense the rest of the way like they were expected to possibly be coming into this season. Remember, the Rams defense were one of the highest drafted defenses because of that pass rush, because of the secondary of Marcus Peters and Tlaib. Marcus Peters played a lot better as of late. Seems he's working through that calf injury that he played through earlier on in the season. And if you have Aqib Tlaib back with that pass rush clicking like it is at the moment, the Rams defense may be a serious problem for a lot of offenses that have to handle moving forward. And especially this week against the Detroit Lions, I would really like the Rams defense to play with Aqib Tlaib back and in that lineup against a team that gives them a lot of sacks and doesn't have a lot of weapons at their disposal right now because carry on Johnson did not practice all week long. He is just, which was to be expected. He's going to be out on Sunday. Also to be expected. Bruce Ellington was a limited participant in practice yesterday and today he is expected to be good to go. But yeah, if you're playing on playing Laguerre Blunt or Theo Riddick in your flex on a PPR league, you will be cleared to do so as Carryon Johnson will not be playing on Sunday. For the Cardinals, Chad Williams is definitely going to be back and playing this week. He looks like he's going to be off the injury report later on today. Of course, fantasy-wise, it doesn't affect anything. But like I said in yesterday's podcast, it does take away any thought of could Christian Kirk be a boomer bust wide receiver four type of player uh, in this week that pretty much takes away any of that because with Chad Williams and there's just not enough volume to go around for anybody else besides Larry Fitzgerald or David Johnson to be guys that you can trust start in your lineups from the Arizona Cardinals as of right now. For the Packers, uh, Jimmy Graham did practice in a limited capacity yesterday after not practicing on Wednesday. But according to Mike McCarthy, he seemed disappointed by the level of participation that he was able to go in. He was expected to play a lot more. It didn't wind up being the case. Uh, So we'll see what winds up happening. I am getting a report now that he is expected to play. He was limit capacity again today on Friday. So he is expected to still play on Sunday. Now, whether you want to play him in your lineups due to the fact that you know his snap count is going to be limited after watching him last week, and you know he's not he's still not close to 100% healthy with that thumb injury, that's going to be up to you and your call. And if you want to take my analysis on it, again, listen to the podcast yesterday. But he will still be out there and active at the very least on Sunday. Randall Cobb was a limited participant in practice all week long. He said in an interview that he expects to be active and ready to go on Sunday. We'll see if that winds up being the case. We know how players are, but all things considered, he does seem to be trending in that direction uh, for the Packers on Sunday. Uh, the Dolphins... Uh, Kenyon Drake, even though he wore the non-contact jersey in practice all week long, he looks like he is going to be good to go. He is off the injury report coming off of Friday. So we were never really worried about Kenyon Drake not playing in this game, but how healthy he's going to be, he's completely off the injury report, so he should be good to go. It's just a matter of, is he going to touch the ball? I don't know. Will he, Adam Gase? I hate you. Danny Amendola is ruled out, or not ruled out, but ruled doubtful for Sunday's matchup here. Uh, also to be expected, he hadn't practiced all week long. I don't even know why they really bother uh, ruling him as doubtful. He will definitely miss this particular game coming up. 
for the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky has been ruled out for Sunday. Uh, he has not thrown in practice since sustaining that shoulder injury. So that's something to keep your eye on. That's not a great sign. So it's something that even next week going into week 14, which I think a lot of people expected Mitchell Trubisky to be back and playing and be fine by then. And especially you've been leaning. He's a guy who a lot of playoff teams have been leaning on because he went from being a streaming quarterback pickup to being a QB one almost week in week out with a high floor because of his rushing ability and the way that Matt Nagy has been coaching that offense who BTW, I think, deserves coach of the year with what he's been able to do at his with the players at his disposal. Uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's something you're definitely going to have to keep your eye on going into next week, uh, unfortunately, even though we thought he would possibly be back this week, but we definitely thought he'd be back week 14. I don't think that's as much of a certainty being that he has not thrown in practice as of yet. For the Giants, Evan Ingram, he's going to be ruled out for Sunday, which was to be expected after he sustained a hamstring issue again. Uh, he did not practice at all this week, so nothing that you weren't already prepared for going into Sunday. For the Carolina Panthers, all good news for the Carolina Panthers. Devin Funches, limited participant on Thursday and Friday. He is definitely expected to play on Sunday. Curtis Samuel is definitely expected to play on Sunday. And Greg Olson is off the injury report entirely. Uh, we weren't really uh, worried about him not playing on Sunday, but he is definitely going to be out there in case there's any concerns. For the Buccaneers, not as good a news. Deshaun Jackson has been ruled out because of that thumb issue on Sunday. So Chris Godwin's value and Adam Humphrey's value definitely rises going into that game against Carolina. Peyton Barber was a limited participant in practice yesterday and today, but there is no concern about him being able to play. However, Ronald Jones is expected to be active in this game uh, coming up. Now, the thing about Ronald Jones, I saw a report out there. They're talking about well, it could wind up being a three-man committee between Peyton Barber, Jaquiz Rogers, and Ronald Jones. And my retort to that would be, did you watch any of the Tampa Bay games all year when all three of them were healthy? It was never a committee. I don't know why it would suddenly be a committee this week, the first week Ronald Jones comes back off of injury. So this is Peyton Barber's job. My only concern about Peyton Barber is what you expect him to actually produce because he's not a guy who does produce, even with the volume, doesn't produce at a consistent rate anyway. So that would be my more concern. But if you're concerned about volume, I am not. Peyton Barber, this is still his backfield uh, until further notice. For the Colts, a lot of good news here for the Colts. They had a, pl- a plethora of injuries, but they all seemed good to go. T.Y. Hilton was limited in practice all week with the groin. He is going to play on Sunday. Eric Ebron was limited in practice all week with the back. He is going to play on Sunday. Marlon Mack only has one more step to get through the concussion protocol. Once that is done and taken care of, he will be good to go as well. He's, the expectations is he will be able to play 
uh, no worries there. For the Browns, David Njoku, he was a limited participant in practice all week long, but there's never been really any concern on whether or not he would be able to play on Sunday, so I'm not worried about that. David Njoku should be in your lineups as a streaming option at tight end. Definitely nothing to worry about there. For the Texans, Kiki Kute is going to be a game-time decision on Sunday. I've been saying all week long, I don't see how he plays. Now, he had been practicing in a limited capacity all week, which I thought was very surprising to me. This is a guy who missed almost a month because of a hamstring issue. He comes in uh, after two weeks, re-aggravates it again, and now all of a sudden he's supposed to come back the that very same week and play again. I just don't buy it, especially when these guys and the hamstring issues and how they normally work. Uh, we've seen guys, uh, a.k.a. Leonard Fournette, try to come back within a week, come back too soon off the hamstring issue, and then wind up missing the next month and a half. With the Texans right, in, right now in control of that division in the middle of a playoff race, I just don't see why you take the chance and play Kute this week. Uh, especially, I, I know it's a tough matchup here against the Browns, but it's not something I'm pushing. You're going to need Kute as you get closer to the playoffs uh, if you want to have an actual legitimate opportunity to have an offense that's ready to score against a lot of these high-powered offenses in the AFC this year. So I don't see him actually playing this week, but he is, as of now, a game-time decision. If he does not play, that's added volume work. Uh, in at least in theory, for Demarius Thomas. We'll see what winds up really being the case, but this should be added volume for Demarius Thomas now that he seems to finally be involved after getting two touchdowns last week. If he does play, then Demarius Thomas is still just purely a touchdown-dependent player. And Kute, I would not play Kute if he does play in this game, whether it's PPR or whatever format, it doesn't matter. He's going to be a very, very high candidate to have a re-aggravation of that hamstring issue coming back this week. So I would not trust and play Kute at all. DeAndre Hopkins was a limited participant in practice all week as, as, as well, but that's pretty much been his MO for the past, I don't know, I want to say like two months now. Uh, he's never was in danger of not of not playing on Sunday. Uh, it just continues to be the case. All right, so now that you're all updated on the injury reports from the games that we talked about in yesterday's podcast, let's get into the actual games for the Week 13 Preview Part 2, which we got the 4 o'clock games, the Sunday night games, and the Monday night games. Of course, I still have that Star Sit segment coming to you uh, for today as well. So let's get off with the Jets and Titans. And yes, I do. I did hear what I just said, and I think it's funny, so I'm leaving it in the podcast. Let's get off to this. Okay, so we got Sam Darnold and Josh McCown, who are both questionable. So we actually have no idea who the starting quarterback of the New York Jets is going to be for this particular week. And apparently Todd Bowles has no plans of telling us who it's going to be before he absolutely has to, which isn't until Sunday morning. Now, why do you care, right? Because you're not going to be streaming Sam Darnold. You're not going to be streaming Josh McCown. You really only care if you're looking to stream uh, Chris Herndon or... I don't know why you would be, but maybe Jermaine Curse or Quincy Anunwa because of the volume that Jermaine Curse got last week. Or maybe you're stuck in a situation where you're still thinking about Isaiah Crowell in the flex or Elijah McGuire in a PPR league in the flex. It matters to know what who the quarterback is, but I don't know if it affects the production any kind of way. Look, if Josh McCown plays, I think that helps Curse and hurts Anunwa. If Sam Darnold plays, that helps Anunwa and hurts Curse. But 
I don't trust either one of them in this matchup against the Tennessee Titans or just because they've been the Jets offense all year long. I don't see how you trust either one of them in a PPR format to be your flex play or your wide receiver three right now. The only player I would really play in my lineups if I absolutely had to was Chris Hernan. That's it. Uh, and like he'd be a good guy to lean on and pick up if you have Jimmy Graham you don't really trust what he's going to be able to do in Sunday's game even though he's going to be active he's somebody who I could see being available on your waiver wire and picking up and streaming him as a tight end uh, a very low end streaming option but even him I'm still I'm not going to feel great about it and he'd still be the most trustworthy player on the Jets lineup that would be in my fantasy lineups in any kind of capacity I'm not playing Elijah McGuire as a PPR flex guy you have to hope he hits a home run and that really hasn't been the case as of late I know you had a couple I know you had a couple good games a couple solid games the past couple of weeks uh, but I would not trust Elijah McGuire I just with the Jets offense being so pathetic Everyone has such a limited ceiling that I don't know how you trust anybody, like I said, outside of having to stream Chris Renan because of uh, other circumstances at your tight end position and the position as a whole in fantasy football right now. For the Tennessee Titans, Marcus Mariota continues to be a high floor streaming quarterback option. I don't think he has a high ceiling in this game for a couple of reasons. One, the Jets defense isn't terrible at times. I should say at times, because two weeks ago, ooh, boy, they looked bad. But at times, they haven't been terrible this season. This is a game which the Titans, I don't think, are going to have to score a lot in order to win. And these are two teams that when they don't have to score a lot, they typically don't put themselves in positions to do so. So while I expect the Titans play calling to be more aggressive like it has been for the past few weeks which you need it to be for Marcus Mariota to continue to be a, a streaming option I do think this is a game we could see it could be similar to yesterday's game where it's like 13 and 10 maybe 17 14 somewhere along those lines I think Mariota is a good candidate to still get you 18 points at the quarterback position and if you're just looking for a guy for a high floor uh, that that could be a route that you take but I have to imagine unless you play in two quarterback leagues there would be a quarterback with a much higher ceiling available to you than Marcus Mariota for this particular week. But I do think he can be a high floor streaming option if you really needed him to be. The The, the real question when it comes to the Tennessee Titans is Deion Lewis or Derrick Henry. Uh, because as of late, Deion Lewis still continued to be the quote-unquote starter. He still continued definitely to be the better pass catcher. But Derrick Henry the last two weeks has outcarried Deion Lewis. Now, it hasn't been by a ton. Uh, it's been by like one or two carries, so let's not let's not get carried away. Pardon the pun uh, for for Derrick Henry over Deion Lewis, but he has automatically been the goal line running back. So if you're in a situation where you have you had Melvin Gordon and you weren't able to get Austin Eckler to back him up, whatever the case may be, uh, if you have if you're looking desperately for an RB two. He's a guy who may have an opportunity to score a touchdown at the very least if you want to go that route. Uh, Titans, I think, will be in the red zone within the 10-yard line more specifically at least a couple times in this game against the Jets, uh, if not more. There's a chance that the Titans actually do blow the Jets out here, uh, especially depending on how the Jets are playing defensively on the road because we've seen them kind of fall apart before, but... I do think at the very least, even if it is a low-scoring game, the Titans will have a couple opportunities within the goal-line situation, and Derrick Henry will have a chance to run it in for a touchdown or two. So if you're just looking for, if you're just looking in a situation where you just need an RB2 who might get you a touchdown, 
Derrick Henry could be that guy. Again, I wouldn't feel great about it. I would think you could find a better options one way or another, but that situation could present itself. For Deion Lewis, I still think he is a flex PPR uh, player who gets you enough carries that he's a, he's a solid high end flex play for you. But I don't think he is, I don't think you can consider him to be an RB2 right now just because he hasn't been getting the volume he was getting when they came out of the bye for those few weeks. He was getting like 20 carries. He was clearly the starter over Derrick Henry. He was clearly his backfield. And all of a sudden, the last couple of weeks is kind of like teetered back towards maybe being more of a split when running the ball. Uh, as a result, it kind of knocks him down from being an RP2, just nothing more than a flex play, but a high-end flex play if you are in a PPR league for sure. Uh, Corey Davis here, he continues to be a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two. For him, it's all about the play calling. Do they do they continue to be aggressive? Do they let Mariota take shots down the field of Corey Davis? He has to hit those big plays. Uh, I don't think he always necessarily has to get into the end zone, but he has to be able to hit a couple of chunk plays in order to get what he needs to, and that that's all dependent upon how are the Titans calling the plays. I would be a little bit concerned because, like I said, this is a game in which I could see the Titans saying that they don't have to put the pedal to the metal. But because they're off, because their offense has played so much better the past few weeks since they've changed back to the play calling that they had against the Eagles where they were aggressive down the field, I have a hard time thinking they would really revert back or at least at the very least, I hope they don't revert back. We'll have to see what happens there. But Corey Davis right now should be considered to be a high wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two, uh, especially this game against the Jets where the secondary does not scare me. All right, next up, we got the Chiefs and the Raiders. Uh, for the Chiefs, we talked about Kareem Hunt uh, with possible suspension. Remember, like I said, I'll just reiterate, he should play this Sunday. I don't think there's anything that's going to hinder him from doing that. The question will be next week. Because uh, while the NFL typically likes to move slow, videos tend to speed things up. So we will see what happens next week if the NFL decides to put him on the exempt list while they investigate rather than ha- let him play while they investigate. We'll have to see if that winds up being the case or not. But for this particular week, for Week 13 preview, uh, I do think Kareem Hunt should be fine and active and ready to go. I don't think you have to worry about it for this week. Sammy Watkins was ruled out of this game already on Sunday. He should have never played that game against the Rams and then coming off the bye. It is definitely clear to me that Andy Reid and Sammy Watkins and everybody else involved in the Chiefs organization when it comes to talking about this injury is lying out of their ass. Uh, he's like When it comes to Sammy Watkins' foot injury, you're always going to be a little bit more concerned. But the thing about this is that they kept saying, like, oh, it's soreness. Oh, it's not that bad. It's it's significant. It's significant in the sense I've heard one report who uh, compared it to the Joey Bosa foot injury where he thinks it could. I don't know if it's going to really be that severe. And it was just one report that was talking about that. But it was somebody out there who really felt like this is more significant than anybody's trying to let on right now. And it's definitely more than foot soreness. I think any common bear who follows fantasy football at all can, can tell that. There's no reason he should have been out there. He didn't look anywhere near like himself for those first five plays, I believe it was, when he played against the Rams game. You all know how I felt about that because that completely screwed me out of a possible win that week because I left Conley on the bench because Sammy Watkins was supposed to be active and playing. And all of a sudden I was like, mm, nope, just kidding. Should have played, should have played Chris Conley. Uh, but he definitely will be out of this game getting rest as they go into make their playoff run. So as a result, let's talk about Chris Conley. So where, where does he lie? Well, he's a touchdown dependent wide receiver three. And let's keep in mind here, there was over a hundred points scored between the Rams and the Chiefs combined in that game. So 
it had a lot to do with the high volume that everybody was getting as far as points goes in that game, where I don't think you can say, oh, well, Watkins was out. Conley had a great game and Watkins was out. I think I could play Conley and expect him to have a good productive game and a plus matchup against the Raiders. Yeah, all those things make great sense, but there's also that... Do the Chiefs really need to do anything more than getting Kareem Hunt, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey the ball in this game against the Oakland Raiders? Where sky's the limit's going to be for them because of the matchup. Uh, but I don't know that there is. So with Chris Conley, I think if you're playing him, you're hoping he scores. Because if he doesn't score, it could be a really bad game for him for your fantasy lineup. So I would... This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Tend not to trust Conley if you are in a position where you have other options. Uh, as far as like the Hill and Kelsey and that goes, I mean, obviously you're starting everybody, but with Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes especially, I do think you're going to have to hope that you get a lot of your points in the first half because in the second half, it could be the entire Kareem Hunt show. They're, they're going to be up by multiple scores, and they're at Oakland uh, coming off the bye, they may just look to try to get in and get out uh, once they get up by controlling a mount, which I don't think is going to take them very long. So as far as your fantasy lineups go, I think you've got to hope that Hill, Kelsey, and Mahomes are getting uh, get a lot of good points in that first half because in the second half, I just don't know how aggressive the Chiefs will want to be. Now, the good news is the Chiefs have been that one team or been one of those teams where no matter the matchup, no matter the situation, they tend to still be aggressive on offense. But I could just see this being a game in which they are not aggressive for all four quarters. So hopefully you get your points then. But obviously, sky's the limit for everyone involved against the Oakland Raiders. On the Raiders' side of the ball, you're talking about Doug Martin as a possibility. You're talking about Jalen Richard. Uh, Look, you can't really trust anybody on the Raiders right now outside that of Jared Cook being a low-end tight end one because he is the most dependable pass catcher that the Raiders have. He does get enough volume. Even in some of the games where he hasn't had a lot of production, he still gets enough volume for you to be able to trust that he should be a lower-end tight end one for your teams. Uh I'm not trusting anybody else in the wide receiver position, but if you were looking for a Raiders wide receiver... And maybe in like in a contrarian tournament DFS type of play, Marcel Aitman has been getting a lot of targets as of late. Now he had the one game where he actually did go over 100 yards in that game, uh, but with you know with the injuries to Martavius Bryant and Brandon LaFell blowing his Achilles and Jordy Nelson being banged up, and frankly, just I don't think he really should be out there playing football anymore. He looks done to me. Marcel Aitman has been eating up a lot of targets the last couple of weeks out of Derek Carr. So if you're, I'm not trusting him in a 10 or 12 team league uh, or anything like that. So 
when it comes to that stuff, I'm definitely not playing Marcel Aitman. I don't know why you'd be looking for Oakland wide receiver. But if you're in a tournament league, you're looking for a contrarian play, playing against the Chiefs in a good matchup where they're going to have to throw the ball a ton, uh, Marcel Aitman could be a sneaky guy to be able to plug in there, especially for cheap. When you talk about Doug Martin and Jalen Richard, look, it's a plus matchup for any running back playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. The problem is is that who in the hell knows who's going to get the ball with John Gruden and the running backs right now for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, we know he loves Doug Martin, but apparently he wants to get DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard involved. We know Jalen Richard is going to be involved in passing down situations, but their overall offensive production, other than the first script drive, which they do seem to do pretty well in that first quarter on that first drive, whatever they Whatever John Gruden scripts out seems to work pretty well, but then after that, they get absolutely no production pretty much for the rest of the games. He Richard has a a decent floor as far as a flex play goes for PPR leagues. Doug Martin, he winds up scoring his one touchdown so far since replacing Marshawn Lynch in the worst matchup he's had since replacing Marshawn Lynch in the starting lineup. So I don't know what to think of them. I don't know what to have other than I don't see how you can trust Doug Martin uh, for anything right now. You're definitely not going to even consider Washington in any situation that you're possibly in. And Jalen Richard, I mean, if you just need a flex guy who's who at least should not be a complete dud for you, I guess Jalen Richard can offer you that floor because he's going to get he's going to catch the ball. It's going to be against the Chiefs. He's going to be able to get some dump offs out of the backfield. They're going to have to dump the ball out of the backfield with the pass rush that the Chiefs have been getting as of late, and of course the amount of points that the Raiders will probably have to come back by. Uh, but I would think you could find a better option. He at least, at the very least, do not expect him to have a high ceiling at all. All right. So for our next game, we got the Vikings and the Patriots here. A couple of things we have to talk about with the Vikings and the Patriots. Look, Stephon Diggs, he didn't practice uh, Wednesday or Thursday of this week, but he did practice in limited capacity on Friday. And with Stephon Diggs, it's his knee injury. So as long as it's not a soft tissue injury, I'm typically okay with whatever Diggs is going to be able to do that week. The real question is going to be how how limited are you with the knee injury? Does your explosiveness go away? Are you not going to be able to run at a hundred percent? Those are really the questions that need to be asked. And of course, you're probably not going to know what the answer to that is until you actually see him on the field. And any given week, especially with the volume that the Vikings have been throwing by and in a game against the Patriots, which could be a, a shootout game. I know, or, or maybe a baby shootout game. Cause I don't think it's going to be a full on shootout game. Both these defenses, uh, the Vikings especially have been playing pretty well as of late. Uh, so while they, while both offenses definitely have a lot of firepower, especially the vertical passing game, because both defenses have been playing so well as of late, I don't know if this really turns into a shootout. But I do think a decent amount of points will be scored. Uh, and so with Stefan Diggs, he, as long as he has his explosiveness, he will definitely get his volume. We know that. He'll have an opportunity for a big play. He'll probably draw Stefan Gilmore. Remember, Belichick likes to take away the first, likes to take away at least whoever the primary wide receiver is. Now, in the Vikings situation, Diggs and Thielen, I don't know if either one can be considered the quote-unquote primary receiver, but I would think that given how this season has gone, how great he has been, I think the one receiver who would get the cloud coverage that the Patriots like to play on that primary target would go to Thielen. So, but because Thielen likes to play a lot in the slot, I think Stephon Gilmore is going to be on 
Stephon Diggs uh, a lot more. While Adam Thielen might get a cloud coverage from when he's ever playing in the slot or the backside uh, position on the field. So as long as Diggs' explosiveness is not hindered significantly in this game, I do think his speed and his ability to get down the field will still be too much for Gilmore at this point in his career on a consistent basis. So those big plays should still be there. And it's a game in which the Vikings are going to have to put up points. Uh, They're going to throw the ball a lot, I would suspect. So I'm not too worried about Diggs' knee injury. I did hear somebody say, talk about that he could be actually a game time decision, but everybody else that I have talked to, read, listened to has pretty much come away saying Stefan Diggs is definitely expected to play. So uh, you're not going to bench Stefan Diggs. It's a matter of what you think his expectations are going to be. I say he will still be a high end wide receiver two low-end wide receiver one in this week's matchup. And the same goes for Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen was limited all week long, but he is off the injury report as of Friday, so he looks like he will be good to go and 100% as well. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I'm definitely going to play him if he's been your quarterback. Look, volume, he has great weapons. I like Dalvin Cook in this game quite a bit. I don't know how great he's going to do on the run, uh, but... Running backs catching the ball out of the backfield against the slow linebackers of the Patriots have been pretty effective this year. And remember, like I talked about in the recap on Monday, a lot of people are going to look at that that box score and say, oh, but Murray outcarried Dalvin Cook by one carry at 11 to Dalvin Cook's 10. Again, I will reiterate, if you did not watch that game last week, Latavius Murray got eight of his carries in the fourth quarter when the Vikings were up by two scores and just trying to close out the game. That was when Latavius Murray got all of his work. So up until that point, it had been Dalvin Cook being the workhorse back in every other situation. And even in that situation in the fourth quarter, he still came in when it was passing down and they were trying to get the first down. So I am not worried about the workload as far as that goes for Dalvin Cook. He's definitely healthy. He can always explode when he is healthy. I still like him as a RB2 with a lot of upside uh, because it only takes one play for Dalvin Cook. Everyone else, Kyle Rudolph, yeah, he had seven catches last week. He's just been very mediocre all year long, but still have a lot of other tight ends. But the problem with Kyle Rudolph is he hasn't been catching any touchdowns this year. So while I still think he's a tight end who needs to be rostered just because that's how bad the position is, uh, I I wouldn't begrudge you if you could find a tight end who you think has a better opportunity to score this particular week to have in your lineups. All right, on the Patriots side of the ball here, Gronk was a limited participant in practice yesterday, but he is expected to play. So was Tom Brady. He was also a limited participant in practice pretty much all week long. Now, with Brady, it's a little bit more concerning because I made a point to go back and watch the Patriots last week against the Jets and trying to figure out why with all these weapons or offense, it has not been putting up a ton of points and been more explosive like I expected them to be, especially when they got Josh Gordon, especially when Sony Michelle has gotten into the rhythm that he's been able to get into with the role that he has now since Rex Burkhead went out. You know, what's been holding them back? Is it the Gronk injury? Well, I think it's that the knee injury of Tom Brady is more significant than we know. 
he did not look comfortable stepping into his throws like he normally does, especially when he tries to go deep to guys like Josh Gordon and stuff like that when we've seen a year ago when he went deep to Brandon Cooks last year and he was like stepping into his throws and actually being able to, even at you know 42, being able to throw the ball deep down the field with some velocity. He has to, His mechanics have to be perfect at this point because he, he's an older guy. He still has an older arm. Um, but if his mechanics are good, then he's fine. Problem is, is that he's not stepping into that throw with confidence. So when that happens, he's floating the ball. It's sailing on him a little bit. It's not getting there as quickly as he needs it to to be able to hit his receivers receivers in stride. And they're having to fight for the ball a lot more than they typically have to. And that's been the number one problem. Watching that game against the Jets, it was very apparent. So I think that knee injury is bothering him a little bit more than what we know right now. Now, what we don't know is, as he plays, as long as he doesn't have any setbacks, I would presume that he would get healthier and healthier as the season progresses, as long as it doesn't get re-injured. Uh, and then at that point, when he feels more up to snuff, he's able to step into the throws again, they'll be fine. But if you've been wondering why the Patriots offense hasn't been that explosive, I think it's because Brady is not stepping into his throws with the same oomph and the same confidence that he normally does. And that's been the biggest reason why Brady hasn't been that great for them. All right. Before we get into the last few games we have left of the podcast, let's go ahead into the Start Sit segment by the fans here. Start Sit Headaches. I'm going to give you guys a little look behind the scenes of what just happened here. So I just hit the Start Sit segment, right? And then as soon as I do that, I get an update while recording this podcast that all of a sudden Kareem Hunt just got sent home by the by the Kansas City Chiefs from the team facility on Friday. So... <sighs> Everything has just gone absolutely crazy now. I had just talked about the Chiefs and the Raiders, how I said I didn't expect anything to happen to Kareem Hunt this week, but we would have to keep our eyes on it next week. Oh, man, oh, man, if you haven't done so, go pick up Spencer Ware immediately because all of a sudden, it might be this week that we see Spencer Ware being the starting quarterback at the Kansas City Chiefs for the rest of the season. It might not even wait until week 14. So if you've got Kareem Hunt and you haven't had Spencer Ware on your bench, run, 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 run to the waiver wire immediately because, oh man, oh man, this changes so much, so fast, much more fast than I was expecting. Uh, to be clear, he has not uh, officially been ruled out of Sunday's game this this week, but I think this pretty much will guarantee that he's not going to play next week. And being that he got sent home from the team facility, I think there's a definite better than not chance at the very least that he is going to not play this Sunday as well. So uh, yeah, run, run, run the Spencer Ware. All right, so let's actually get to the start sit segment here. So many distractions, so many up, uh, so many breaking news alerts. Really, just one, but just coming full circle within the within the time period of recording this. All right, so let's get here. We got we have four questions today. I didn't want to do five because I knew this episode was going to run a little bit long in general. So we got four questions here. We start off with Brian. He's got a full PPR league. He actually asked me two questions. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Phillip Rivers, and then the second one is Julian Edelman or Tyler Boyd. So I'm glad you mentioned that you had a full PPR league when it comes to receivers. Uh, as far as Jackson and Rivers... Definitely play Rivers. Look, I know that the rushing yardage is very tempting when it comes to Lamar Jackson as of this moment, 
But Philip Rivers, A, has been on a tear lately, and B, that Chargers-Steelers game could legitimately be a shootout between those two offenses. Yes, both of those defenses have been playing better as of late, but those are two high-powered offenses where I think the offenses are better than the defenses are talented-wise. Uh, I just, I really think that, that Chargers Steelers game is going to have a lot of points involved between the two teams. Melvin Gordon's out, which makes me believe the Chargers are going to throw the ball a little bit more than they typically do because that's still the best part of Austin Eckler's game. So I won't suspect that to change just because, uh, well, I, I would, I wouldn't expect them to run the ball as much as they would uh, with Melvin Gordon in the game there. I don't think just, Justin Jackson will get his as far as the carries go. But I don't believe that they're going to run the ball all that much. So I do think it will be a pass-first team against the Steelers that we're going to see out of the Chargers. That means Phillip Rivers over Lamar Jackson. As far as your Julian Edelman and Tyler Boyd question, because it's a full-point PPR, to me, it's definitely Julian Edelman in this week. One, the slot receiver is usually the way to go when you're attacking the Minnesota Vikings defense this year. And two, Tyler Boyd is going to see Chris Harris. Even with A.J. Green back in the lineup, which is great for, for him, I think, moving forward, after this week, though, he's still going to see one of the best slot corners in the game with the Denver Broncos having Chris Harris there. Julian Edelman will always have a good amount of volume, especially for a full PPR league. I would definitely play Edelman over Tyler Boyd this particular week. All right, and Keith, he asked me, Winston, or I assume it's a he, I don't actually know, and I just go off, and Keith uh, asked me, Winston or Deshaun Watson this particular week? Uh, good question, first of all. It's definitely close. I would lean towards Jameis Winston uh, just because you have Houston playing Cleveland. It's a good matchup for for Watson for sure. But we kind of seen lately that the Texans have not been throwing the ball as much uh, for the past few weeks. So with that takeaway of the volume, I and this game, I don't know how much different this game is going to be because well, because Houston's defense has been playing a lot better as of late. So I don't think it's a situation in which they're going to have to score a ton of points in order to beat Cleveland. I don't know if Cleveland's going to put up a lot of points in this game. Uh, I think it'll be your typical 24-17, 27-24 type of game. So there'll be some points definitely to be had with that, without a doubt. Uh, but I love Jameis Winston in this game. I, well, I should say... I love his ceiling in this game. There's always that possibility that Winston, and I talked about this yesterday a little bit, that he, the bad Winston shows up and he gets pressure in his face and he throws a bunch of turnovers for no reason. That, that's always a possibility when you're playing Jameis Winston. But what I do love is that Carolina is definitely going to put up a lot of points against Tampa Bay. They're going to have no problem scoring. And Winston is going, with that offense, the way it's just set up, there's going to be a lot of volume. He's going to throw the ball a ton. And the Carolina secondary, I think, I believe they're 25th against quarterbacks in fantasy right now this year. That secondary is susceptible to big plays down the field. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys all have plus matchups. It's not a secondary you're afraid of. That front seven might be able to get pressure. That front seven might be able to stop the run, but you're not scared of that back end secondary. And with the volume and the definite possibility to have opportunities to be able to go down the field with Jameis Winston, I do believe uh, Winston has a much higher ceiling this particular week. Uh, I think Watson would be the safer floor. So if you want to look at it that way, I think Watson be the safer floor, but I think Winston's the guy you go with to try to hit that home run in a week that is probably a must-win for most teams. Uh, Sukart asked me, PPR league, flex position, Mac Reynolds or Carlos Hyde? Uh, for me, that's a hands, it's hands down. It's not even really too much of a debate. Uh, Marlon Mack. 
they have some good options there. Don't don't get me twisted. Carlos Hyde's going to be uh, getting the bulk of the rushing work for sure with Leonard Fournette out. But Josh Reynolds, uh, while he's a nice player, while he has a plus matchup, it's not gonna. It doesn't necessarily have to be a ton of volume heading his way with the Rams in that game. Um, and Reynolds really, he's somebody who. I play if I feel like I have to. I play if I feel like I need to hit a home run or I have an injury. He's not somebody who I'm leaning on as a, as a core piece of my starting lineup. Where Marlon Mack, to me, is an RB2 in any format, but especially PPR because he does catch the ball out of the backfield. And usually when he gets the ball out in space is when he can explode as well. So for me, it's hands down Marlon Mack. All right, the last question for our Star Sit segment in this episode, Buck, he asked me, he asked me both running backs, so he has choice between four running backs here. Uh, both running backs, David. he did mention that he usually has Melvin Gordon, who's out, but he does have Austin Eckler here. So he has David Johnson, Austin Eckler, Gus Edwards, and Josh Adams are the four running backs that he asked about for his two running backs positions. So uh, first of all, four very good options to have there. Second of all, you definitely have to play David Johnson. Uh, I know he had a disappointing week last week. You have to play David Johnson. While he hasn't had the top five running backs that you you drafted him to be, and, are dis- and a lot of David Johnson owners are disappointed with him this year, don't let that distract you from the fact that he's still been productive and still has been a lower-end RB1 this entire year. So yeah, that's, what I, that's what I'm just saying. Just don't let that distract you from that fact that he still has actually been producing, just not what you wanted him to when you drafted him. Um It'd be really hard for me not to play Austin Eckler uh, when you have Melvin Gordon, but because you have Josh Adams and Gus Edwards, I would go Gus Edwards in this matchup. The Redskins defense can be pretty good against the run when they want to be. Um, so I do, <clears throat> but Josh Adams has been pretty good in beginning 20 carries. Excuse me there. I do think that he will get a good volume again. And we did see Ezekiel Elliott go off against them as well. But I don't think Josh Adams quite to that point. And with the Eagles offense being as inefficient as it has been for the past couple of weeks, uh, and you have such good options as it is, I do think Gus Edwards against Atlanta is the way to go at the end of the day. If you play in a PPR league, which you don't specify here, which would really help, I would go Austin Eckler. Because I do think, the, like I said, I think the Chargers are going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to be the starting running back. Uh, I don't think Justin Jackson is going to take as many carries away from him as people are trying to say that he will. So with all those things considered, and I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. So with all those things considered, if you play in a PPR league, I would play Austin Eckler. But if you don't, it would be hard for me not to play Gus Edwards because I think there's such a good likely possibility, especially with Lamar Jackson playing, that Gus Edwards goes for 100 yards and a touchdown in this game rushing the football. I don't, I don't think he's going to give you that much in passing, which is why I say we go with Eckler every PPR but if you're in standard it'd be hard for me not to play Gus Edwards in this particular week all right that'll wrap up the star sit segment we got three more games to get through here to wrap up the week 13 preview uh, episode so let's go ahead and get through these games here quickly so we don't run too much overtime like I typically tend to do all right so we got the 49ers and the Seahawks here 49ers are on the road uh, you're not starting Nick Mullins or anything like that, but Matt Breida has been an RB2. He continues to be an RB2. They had Alfred Morrison active last week. Uh, Wilson Jr. came in. He wound up getting the same amount of carries that Alfred Morris would have gotten, which is pretty much one for every two that Matt Breida seems to get. 
Uh, Matt Breed did get a couple of catches. He's not as involved in the passing game as I thought he would be, which is kind of disappointed by because I thought PPR-wise he would actually be maybe even a borderline RB1 type of player in that offense. But he hasn't been as involved with that. But that's you know that's something that you're not going to care about at this point. He is an RB2, so if you have Matt Breida, you're at least playing him there or as a really strong flex play. Even against Seattle Seahawks, the defense has been pretty good. Breida is still the focal point of the offense. As far as the wide receivers go, Marquise Goodwin is out uh, for Sunday. Whatever the family matter issue is, he wasn't at practice all week long. He did talk to the team, so he may be back next week uh, with him contacting them, which is a good sign. But as far as this week goes, he has been ruled out. I would suspect Dante Pettis would be taking his place because he is the next most explosive receiver that they have on the roster to fill that role, the Marquise Goodwin role. And he played a good game last week against Tampa Bay. I would not play Dante Pettis against Seattle in this week. I think Seattle may destroy the 49ers. It's a bad matchup for them all the way around. Uh, for the 49ers, that is. So I do, I do think they're going to be down by a ton. Matt Breida would probably be the only one I would actually trust in San Francisco. But just, uh, and Kerry, and, and George Kittle, of course. Because uh, George Kittle has been a top five tight end. And th- that's not going to change. In it. You're not going to bench him, let's say, in this game. I would temper my expectations just because I'm a little bit nervous about, about what Nick Mullins is going to do against a hot Seattle defense as of late. But uh, George Kittle is still going to be a guy you have to keep in your starting lineups each and every week. Um, <clears throat> Pierre Garcon actually practiced in limited capacity this week. It does look like he's going to at least try to give it a go on Sunday. Uh, doesn't matter as far as fantasy goes, unless you were looking at Kendrick Bourne or anything like that. Uh, so I do think he's going to be out there, but it's still not somebody who I would pick up and play either on the Seahawks side of the ball. Uh, play everybody. It's the 49ers. I know on paper it actually has the 49ers secondary being about middle of the road against quarterbacks in the passing games and whatnot. Yeah, that's just because you can run so effectively on San Francisco and because their offense does not put up a lot of points and you're never really in fear of losing your lead once you have one. Teams just don't throw the ball a lot against them. It doesn't mean the secondary is good. Play Russell Wilson. He'll have plenty of opportunities to throw the ball deep. He'll be able to run around. He will be. He's not going to be a top-end QB1 just because I don't think the volume will be there for that to happen, but I do think he's a low-end QB1 this particular week in a matchup where he's not going to have to do a lot in order to have good fantasy numbers. Chris Carson, love him. I think he is definitely a high-end RB2 this week with the potential to have an RB1-like game. Uh, definitely think 100 yards and a touchdown are very plausible for Chris Carson in this game. Doug Baldwin, I like him more right now if you're in a PPR league just because the, the, the target volume's been there uh, for the past few weeks. So I'm not worried about him getting the ball anymore. It's are you getting the ball in situations where you can actually be productive and effective? And that's really been more the case, more the issue here that people have been having. Uh, lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, he had, I think, I believe it was, it was five catches for 39 yards last week, led the team in targets, but it was Tyler Lockett and David Moore who went for 100 yards and a touchdown. It's it's stuff like that. He would look, he was open in the red zone a couple of times. Russell Wilson just either missed him or didn't see him. Uh, 
he has been he's had opportunities to score. I think this is a matchup where if you want to play Doug Baldwin as your wide receiver three, as your flex player, this is definitely a matchup where I would feel pretty okay in getting at least a decent game out of Doug Baldwin this particular week. Tyler Lockett, David Moore, look, they're both guys that are gonna be boomer bust guys. Uh each and every week, no matter what the matchup is. I like Tyler Lockett a lot more than David Moore. I would leave David Moore out of your lineups this week just because he's not He's just not as involved on a week to week basis. Uh, it was he's I think he's like one every four games. He winds up having like a good game. Really, this year is kind of like the rate he's on. I don't think they're gonna have to throw it to him deep against San Francisco, where they had to against Carolina because they had to they had to press the issue. That's not gonna be the case here. Tyler Lockett is the second starting receiver behind Doug Baldwin. He'll have more of an opportunity to do so. So I do like Tyler Lockett as a, as a boomer bust wide receiver three that you could play as there or your flex positions for this matchup. But I would leave David Moore on the bench. I just don't expect him to be used in this game. It's not the matchup that scares me. It's the utilization that does. And I don't, I don't think he's really going to be there in this game for you to actually be able to use. All right. So that's going to bring us now to the Sunday night game where we have the Chargers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. <clears throat> Talked about Philip Rivers a little bit already in this game. I expect him to have a very good game. I expect Big Ben to have a very good game. Uh, Austin Eckler, I, I think he's going to be PPR monster. I think he could be a low-end RB2 uh, in PPR leagues. I think he is a high-end flex play even in any format, whether it's PPR or standard. Uh, <clears throat> Justin Jackson is not somebody who I'm starting in my lineups. I don't know. You, you can't look me in the eye and know what Justin Jackson's role is going to be. You just You can't. I know they're a little bit more prepared this particular week, so it may not just be the Austin Eckler show, but I don't think he's going to out carry Austin Eckler. I don't because there's been some there's been some talk of like, oh well, Justin Jackson just take over the Melvin Gordon role, and Austin Eckler will get some carries, but mostly just be still sticking his role of a pass catching down back primarily. I don't think that's the case. They don't use Austin Eckler as just a strict pass catching down only type of back when they get him the opportunities. They've been in fourth quarters where they've had blowout leads. They've had situations where Austin Eckler's walked away with double-digit carries, and that has not affected them at all. Uh, he's not that typical just scat back, third down back in their eyes. So I do not, at the very least, they'll have even amount of carries, but I think it's actually more likely than not that Austin Eckler leads the way for carries in this game. So I'm not starting Justin Jackson in the flex or, or anything like that. If you own Melvin Gordon and therefore own Austin Eckler, I'm fine if you want to also own Justin Jackson just in case Melvin Gordon doesn't make it back for the fantasy playoffs. I'm fine with that. But... I'm not going to play Justin Jackson. So I just want to make that point clear. Keenan Allen, you're playing Keenan Allen. Antonio Brown, you're playing Antonio Brown. Juju Smith-Schuster, you're playing Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, James Conner, I expect the Steelers to get back to running the football and being at least a little bit more of a balanced offense in this particular week against the Chargers. So I think James Conner will get more work than he has the past couple of weeks where they've seemingly have gone five wide for no reason. Uh, kind of like they were in the beginning of the season. I expect them to revert back a little bit to where they were middle on. Mike Tomlin kind of already made the point with the offensive coordinator that they need to get back to running the football at least more consistently. So I do think that would be this will be that game. So I think James Conner will have a bounce back game after last week, of course. Um, Vance McDonald is off the injury report, so he's he goes right into being a top end streaming tight end. I don't low end tight end one. I don't know if you can call him an automatic start. Depends on what you have uh, available to you, but he's definitely a top end streaming tight end for this week. And 
Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, very touchdown dependent, boomer bust. Uh, I do think one of them is going to have a big play in this game. I don't know if anybody could accurately tell you which one it's going to be. So that's kind of that's kind of the issue there. I definitely think one of them is going to have a big play against the Steelers in this game, where I think points are going to be scored. But I don't know. I I'm not going to sit here and be the fool who tells you it's Mike Williams or it's Tyrell Williams, because frankly nobody could tell you which one it's going to be at this point, because that's how maddeningly inconsistent uh, the usage between the two of them have been for the Chargers. They only use one or the other really for the most part. All right, well that'll pretty much wrap up the Sunday night game. So, yeah, just, just double-checking to make sure we didn't miss anything. So let's go ahead and go into the Monday night game, the last game of the podcast for the Week 13 Preview Part 2. Uh, we got the Redskins, and we have the Eagles. So we got a nice little division game here. On the Redskins side of the ball, they may be getting a lot of players back. Chris Thompson off the injury report. Practice in full on Thursday. He's definitely going to play on Monday night. Jordan Reed was a limited participant in practice all week long. The expectation is he will be available to play Monday as well. The other big one, uh, Crowder. Crowder practice and limited participant in practice thus far. Remember, they had the Monday night game, so they still have one more main practice tomorrow on Saturday uh, before they play Monday. But it's looking like Crowder's going to be back and playing. So while they lost Alex Smith, they are getting a lot of their players they've been without for a long time back in this game. Now, what does that mean fantasy-wise? Where do you play these guys? Well, we know it's Colt McCoy, not Alex Smith playing quarterback, and we haven't seen him with Crowder, with Chris Thompson, and those guys. So Here's what I would say. I would not trust Jamerson Crowder this week. I would I would leave him on the waiver wire, which is predominantly where he is, but I would add him to my watch list just in case he has a good game, in case he is more involved. I think there could be a decent chance that he could be a nice little pickup for you. Uh, Jordan Reed. You're going to play Jordan Reed as a top, as a, as not, not a top five tight end, but a top 10 tight end. Uh, he's been getting more work since Colt McCoy has been taken over. While he didn't score last week, he still had six catches for 75 yards. He was still very much involved. You will take that production out of a tight end position right now uh, this year. Chris Thompson, if you are in a PPR league and you don't have very good options for your flex position, I'm okay with you playing Chris Thompson because Running backs who catch the ball typically do well against the slow linebackers of the Eagles. That's number one. Uh, Colt McCoy is a check down quarterback, so he's going to look for Jordan Reed. He's going to look for his running backs out of the backfield. And because Chris Thompson's been out for so long and Adrian Peterson's been a little bit nicked up, I do think he goes right into his old role where he gets to play a significant amount of snaps his first week back. Remember, it was a rib injury, not a soft tissue injury, not a leg injury. It was a rib injury. So if it's something that he is recovered from, he was never hindered in his legs and explosive ability and his ability to catch the ball. It was ability to take hits and of course be able to breathe properly when you have a broken rib uh so because of that i do think he comes in and plays his normal significant role so in a ppr league i could see him being a flex player i would not play him in a standard league and even in the ppr league i would only do it if you don't have better options uh to give you an idea i would probably still play theo riddick over chris thompson for just this week with carry on johnson out uh, in your flex. So just to kind of give you an idea there, I think he has a high floor, but I wouldn't expect him to go off just because it is his first week back against a, a what should normally be a decent defensive front out of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, on the Eagles side of the ball, <clears throat> if you've been leaning on Carson Wentz as your number one quarterback, you're not going to bench him in this match. It's not a matchup where you bench him. 
it's just been tough watching the Eagles offense as of late, and I can understand that. Josh Adams is going to, is, he got 20 carries last week. I don't see why he doesn't get close to that number this week. The most important thing to keep in mind is that Josh Adams is the starting running back and the workhorse running back right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, Corey Clement has his pass catching down role to some degree because he still wasn't even that involved in the passing game last week when they were down to the Giants by a bunch in that first quarter. Uh, Josh Adams, they, even when they were down by a couple scores, they gave him a lot of carries. So that's definitely something you like if you picked him up. I think he's an RB2, uh, the re- a solid RB2 at that the rest of the way. This is going to be a bit of a tough matchup. Like I said, the Redskins can be a tough run defense when they want to be. But because of the volume, because of the offense, because their offense line is getting more healthy, I do like Josh Adams as an RB2 this particular week. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, you got to play Jeffrey. Josh Norman's not the same corner he used to be uh we just saw the Redskins get lit up a week ago I definitely would you definitely keep playing Alshon Jeffrey as a mid to high level wide receiver to a little touchdown dependent uh but definitely a mid to high level wide receiver to in fantasy right now I don't know how you trust Golden Tate. Yes, he got eight targets the last two weeks, so the volume's been there, but the matchups have been there too. And even with the volume, it just he doesn't look like he's that in sync with Carson Wentz yet. Uh, I know they talked about they had issues trying to get him involved as much as they want him to be and all of that. I don't know how you trust Golden Tate right now. I think you're watching this game closely. You're not dropping Golden Tate yet. He's still too good of a player. He's in an offense that should get going at some point, at least in theory anyway, and does have a lot of weapons and a good quarterback and a good offensive-minded coach. So at some point, this thing could start clicking again. So you don't want to drop Golden Tate right before the playoff races to see him start to actually get legitimately involved in this offense. But you're watching this week intently to see do you have any confidence or hope to be able to play him, say, week 14 in the playoffs coming up? Um, so that 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 is where my take would be on Golden Tate. I wouldn't play him this week. Zach Ertz, number one tight end. Nothing really else to go over there. All right, so that's going to wrap up our podcast for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed the new microphone. I think it sounds a lot better. I'm definitely excited to have this moving forward. Uh, remember, at MDFF Show on Facebook and on Twitter uh, for any questions that you may have for your fantasy football lineups. If you need to listen to this episode or any others, www.mdfantasyfootball.podbean.com. Available on iTunes, Simplecast, Radio Public, anywhere you go for your podcast needs. The MD Fantasy Football Show is available to you. And remember, the player update notifications are all for free and will be all weekend long at MDFF Show on Twitter. So make sure you're following that as well. And pick up Spencer Ware. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I will see you guys on Monday with the Week 13 Recap Part 1. Take care and have a great weekend. four days only it's the sizzling hot summer sale at jc penny thursday through sunday shop select men's and women's tees in all new bright colors just five dollars for her and 7.99 for him plus pick up select home expressions bath towels two for seven dollars all these deals and no coupon needed hurry in but stay cool these deals are sizzling jc penny offers valid 627 to 630 exclusions apply see store jcp.com for details Get enhanced security for your Wi-Fi network with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go, go.
Switch to Xfinity today for fast speeds and the best in-home Wi-Fi experience. Get great coverage throughout your home. Plus, ask how to get enhanced network security, safer browsing, and more with XFi Advantage. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.